Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. He's talked about the fact that it's taken some time and he's trying to still learn a bit. Where do you perceive him to be at, um, you know, what, five days or four days of the training camp? I think Kirk is exactly where we want him to be at at this point. Um, you know, we really challenged the guys when we left, uh, really all the guys when we left in the spring to uh, make sure that when we started camp, it wasn't starting from ground zero, that we that we picked up uh, exactly where we left off. And so um, I've been really impressed with how these guys have come in and understood the detail. And uh, our coaching staff has done a great job uh, making sure they were prepared. I love how zen Wade, uh, Wade Phillips' kid is there, Wes Phillips. Wes is great. It's like... Uh... Kirk is exactly where we want him to be. I like the guy. Wes is great. We're all exactly where we exactly. need to be right now, mm-hmm. here in the present oh. moment. <laughs> no Buzz Factory there. He's got the, mm-hmm. the beard rocking, too. No Buzz too. Factory. Oh, Buzz Factory. Buzz I love factory. Judd buttering up these coaches and players, too, before he rips them in yeah. week five for underachieving after a, a one in three start. Look at you, buttering up Wes Phillips, about to, about to rip him for his tiny his play card doing. at some The quarterback point. keeps saying, I got to learn more. I gotta, I, and I just was curious. If the I don't think the like quarterback, it. I don't think the quarterback's going to come out and say, I have a full stranglehold on this offense and I'm about to throw for 6,000 yards and then does the DX crotch chop and then walks off the podium. I think he's probably going to always play it. Yeah, it'd be amazing. Uh, I might sneak a wrestling statement, and it was a big weekend of wrestling. But let's start with Judd here. It's statements on Mackie and Judd on a Monday here. We have a buffoon of the week later on. Daily Minnesota sports, entertainment, therapy, speculation, whatever it is you're looking for from us. So, Judd, go ahead. Viking statement number one, I am bringing the positivity today. Wow. I am bringing the positivity. It's training camp. Full pads go on today. This is a time to look and say what is going to go right. And here's my statement. You guys are both going to love this. So are the fans. Three deep. What I saw on Saturday, and I believe that this highlight is uh, continues to float around Twitter if you want to search it and find it. Um, Kirk Cousins, about a 35-yard pass, 30-yard pass to K.J. Osborne on, a, on the type of deep route that we really didn't see K.J. used last year. Three deep. I think that there is a real potential, at least, that, yes, Jefferson's Fantastic, all world. Uh, Thielen is always going to get his as long as he is here with Kirk. No question about that. 
K.J. Osborne, though, went from being non-factor as a receiver in 2020 to being a very pleasant, nice surprise and a very good receiver, I thought, in 2021. But I don't know that he was ever relied upon and seen as a really true, consistent option. And I know that he was not, especially for what we like to call explosive plays. Um, Three deep is a real possibility in the incorporation of K.J. Osborne, who might get the least attention of the three and thus will find himself in a very good spot to contribute. Yeah, I think uh, I think you're right on that. I don't know that he's I don't know that I love him as a number two because there was some chatter about how, well, you know, you could trade Adam Thielen at some point. But if K.J. Osborne is your number three and he gets a lot of one on one matchups and just, you know, if, if Justin Jefferson is being taken away for a portion of a game. He's a guy, we saw it last year. I mean, hell, he he made a couple, he hit a game-winning touchdown reception at one point. So he, he can burn one-on-one coverage if if you're not paying full attention. So I, yeah, I don't know. I don't, do you think this three deep is better on paper than the late 90s three deep? No. Randy Moss is probably better than Justin Jefferson. Yeah, Chris Carter over Thielen. And Jake yeah, Reed, Jake Reed was yeah. Jake Reed was a, a guy who easily could have been or stayed the two. Yeah, like to your point, Phil, on KJ, we still don't know yet, right? Like, eh, maybe the two, but you know, certainly uh, very much suited for the third receiver role. So yes, I think the the Carter Moss Reed was better, but I think there, there's options here that could give the Vikings a viable way to get Osborne um, certainly some more explosive plays. He's kind of the, the Van Jefferson, if, if we're going to do the Rams comparison thing again. So huh. Van, Van Jefferson caught 50 passes. He played all 17 games, caught 50 passes for 802 yards, six touchdowns, and he led the team in yards per reception. Just a lot of deep shots down the field because he was streaking wide open. If you add up Robert Woods, who got hurt halfway through the season, and Odell Beckham Jr., who, who basically took his spot halfway through the season, those guys combined for 72 catches and just under 900 yards and nine touchdowns. That seems to me, that that's an Adam Thielen number. So Jefferson going bonkers for like 1,600 yards, and then Thielen coming in around like 900 or 1,000 yards, and then K.J. Osborne coming in with like 50 catches for 800, 850 yards. I'd sign up for that all day long if, if all three of those guys stay healthy. Yeah, he averaged like 13 yards per catch last year, and to Judd's point, a game-winning grab, had that great grab against Arizona, too, like on the second play from scrimmage uh, against the Cardinals last year. Like he's definitely got some explosive threat, and, and they've lacked that. Like when Jarius Wright left for the Vikings, uh, I believe after 2017, like Jarius Wright was just their old reliable, like third and short. They need a conversion. They got it. They got Jarius yes. Wright for six, you know, like, and, and I think KJ Osborne's actually a better receiver than Jarius Wright is. And they need that third guy that takes pressure off Jefferson and Thielen. I think, I think there is even more to his game going forward in 2022. Yeah. Okay. Declan. All right. Uh, my first Vikings related statement. I'll say this. Uh, give Kellen Mond every opportunity to succeed which it appears like they are doing in this first week of training camp. So um, Kellen Mond, four-year starter, right? He was the 66th overall pick in the draft just a year ago, which is actually pretty remarkable because he was basically in witness protection. He had the COVID situation last year that just really stunted his NFL growth. But really think about that. There was only 65 players in the draft that were taken ahead of Kellen Mond last year. And he was on the practice squad. Sean Mannion beat him out for QB2. 
And now Kevin O'Connell is giving him every chance to be the second quarterback. I am not implying, and I'm sure there might be some Kirk Crusaders saying, oh, so you wanted to be the two so you eventually can succeed Kirk? Well, if that is the long-term play, awesome. I would love that to be the case. But Mm -hmm. Kirk Cousins is going to be your starting quarterback for this year and potentially next season, right? But Kellen Mond deserves a shot here to be the legitimate backup quarterback. The Vikings have had a history of having pretty decent backup quarterbacks and quarterbacks that have been called into action and had to perform well when called upon. Uh, and Kellen Mond, who was great at Texas A&M, and he's getting a coach who's leaning into his offense. He's now healthy. He isn't dealing with COVID. He isn't dealing with an injury. He's a six foot three, four year starter from a Power Five conference. Give him every opportunity to be a backup quarterback to Kirk, and I hope he wins the job. Yeah, I think that's. I, yeah, we're kind of beyond the point of like, is he going to challenge Kirk at some point to be the starter? It's at this point, it's if Kirk goes down for a month, can someone come in? And score more than 13 points. <laughs> right. Can someone come in and just not look totally lost? And uh, that would be a great a great step. Speaking of Kirk, here's my first statement. Apparently, we're already talking about contract extensions again. So Charlie Walters posted <laughs> oh, a piece. Yeah. Old shooter, shooter in the Pioneer Press. And I'll admit, as I click on this, it's, not a lot, it's, it's behind a paywall here, and I don't remember my login for the Pioneer Press. So maybe one of you guys can help summarize here, but... The headline is a postseason return for Vikings could result in another Kirk Cousins payday. Yeah. Admittedly, I have not read this yet, but this makes sense. If they go to the playoffs, they take a big step forward. Maybe they win 11 games or something, 10 or 11 games. They go to the playoffs, clear step forward. Everyone's loving the first year of Kevin O'Connell. Well, you're not going to want to go into a lame duck contract season, right? He's got two years left starting now. Are you going to want to go into the last year of a contract when he just had a big season in the KOC offensive scheme? And so, yes, this is without having like read into this article because I can't, uh, there's not much more there. Okay. Yeah. So, so, so we're, we're kind of doing this already. We're already, we're like five months away from a Kirk cousins contract extension discussion again. Make no mistake. (laughs) It is completely reckless speculation. Which I absolutely love. It's not that love. reckless, though. It's reckless speculation, it and and oh, you know what it is? It's sort of buzzing too. It's it's the buzz factory thing. Charlie, uh, Charlie's the godfather Charlie's of cool. the buzz factory. Charlie's the best. I love Charlie. Um, yeah, I mean this this is the conundrum, right? Like if this all works, if, if this works, if they're a playoff team, hell, they win a playoff game. People are like, oh, Kevin O'Connell, the offense, it's unlock Kirk. If this all takes place, yeah. I don't think you're going to be like, well, now we're going to draft one. Um, no. And and keep in mind, too, as much as we all rightfully so complain about the cap, it continues to go up. So, like, it's not coming down. The only question is, and this, and this is what makes this so interesting, what's Justin Jefferson going to get? Debo just got extended now. I mean, these contracts for receivers are going through the bleeping roof. And next spring, I guarantee you, J.J., he might say that that he's not, quote, fond of money. But you know what? He's fond of status. And there ain't no way we're going to get to next spring and Jefferson's going to be like, oh, I'll play on that small fourth year. No problem with that, right? So that that becomes the question of if this goes really well, what do the contracts look like? Well, how many of these these big contracts that are being signed lately here by wide receivers how many of them are also running up against also highly paid quarterbacks? There's a couple for sure. So Tyree Kill, no. 
not yet anyways, because two is still a couple years away if they even go there with him, right? Yep. Devontae Adams kind of. So Derek Derek Carr signed that extension, but it's it's actually one of those sort of smoke and mirrors extensions that they could get out from underneath if they wanted to in a couple years. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins signed one, but I think it's actually, well, I guess it's up in 2024. And Kyler Murray just hit. So there, there yes. are some. I mean, Cooper Cup just signed his, and Matthew Stafford just signed an extension. So you can, depending on where you're at, the good news for the Vikings is they get Christian Derisaw for four more years. So their left tackle is going to be on a rookie-scale contract. They may have two starting cornerbacks on rookie-scale contracts for at least the next two to three years in Cam Dantzler and Andrew Booth Jr. starting in 2023, right? Mm-hmm. And and maybe they move on from a Harrison Smith or an Eric Kendricks and get younger. I mean, you could yep. wind up with Lewis Seen and Cam Bynum as your starting safeties if you... Yep. So there's probably ways to make it work if you do want to pay both Kirk and Justin Jefferson at the same time. I think what I would wonder here is, all right, you have a big season. You win uh, 11 games. You go 11 and 6. Mm-hmm. The vibe is great. Cousins puts up big numbers. Maybe the Vikings win a playoff game. Does Cousins ever get to the point, unlike so far in his career, where he's okay not wringing every drop of water out of the contract rag, right? Hell no. And some people are going to say, well, he probably took a deal that was less than market value this year, to which I would say kind of. I mean, it it was a short-term deal that still has him as the third highest cap hit in the NFL. Right. So I guess maybe he could have squeezed more out of it, but he still has the third highest cap hit. Does he get to a point if this season goes well where he might say, all right, listen, Let's do like a four-year deal. Maybe there's a void year or something, and let's let's really bring my number down for a couple of years. I won't. I've already made two hundred million dollars in my life playing football. I'm good. I just care about legacy and winning a championship. Does he get to that point if they have a big season? He hasn't to this point in his career. Uh, no, he does not. Maybe a culture change will help. I don't know. Uh, no, I think that he look the genius of Kirk. A, a real partnership with your head coach. The genius. We're in this together. Take the, a little less money. The genius of Kirk huh? is very huh? simple. And it's smart as hell. It's this. He does short-term contracts because they're not phony then. Because the phoniest thing is, that guy just signed a six-year contract for $275 million. Now let's look at the actual cash. Oh, he's going to make $12 next year, right? Yeah. So, like, the genius of Kirk is is shorter-term, guaranteed, all real. I do not see him ever, and I almost don't blame him at this point. I don't see him ever backing off that. I mean, Patrick Mahomes' contract looks great, but the way that they can now shift things around, which is a partnership, no question, benefits the Chiefs first. Kirk Cousins I have faith himself. in my quarterback. Okay. I have faith in my quarterback. I'm not even ripping him. I'm at some point will do a team-friendly He's a business, he's a business genius, you guys. He's a business genius. All right. He, he's a businessman, and he's a businessman. Okay, Judd, go ahead. My next statement, shout out. To my partner, Phil Mackey, because my statement is this. Oh, oh wow. Cam oh. Can, the Cam Can, Cam Dantzler has looked fantastic. Now, now, we don't put the pads on until today. I get that. Uh, but, but as we you talked think, you about. You think my guy's going to get worse when the pads come on? But as we talked about in the special PD on Sunday, the the I think one of the highlights, one of my top three highlights of the first week of practice was this. Dantzler against Thielen. It was fantastic. They both won at times, but Dantzler won a lot. And Cam Dantzler now with, I think it's safe to say this, 
the confidence of the coaching staff and and probably what was largely the nightmare of last year, where, keep in mind, you guys, he was inactive in week one. So he wasn't only just, like, in the doghouse. He was in street clothes, in sweatpants, in week one. Um, that's done now. And Cam Dantzler, as Phil predicted, has continued to look fantastic. And and I'm not talking just uh, good. I'm talking against he's being tested against some good players and consistently holding his own so far. That's right. Hold me closer, corner Dantzler. I think I I legitimately think he's the best cornerback on the team with with Patrick Peterson sort of aging out. And the real question is going to be if Dantzler's as good as I think he is and Andrew Booth Jr. progresses, this is a great problem to have. Do you sit Pat Peterson at some point and go with the youth movement of good young players with upside? I'd love to run into this problem in about five or six weeks from now if old Patrick Peterson looks like he should be doing more podcasting than playing football. Still looks really Which, good, though, by man. by the way, he hey. has a future in podcasting. He looks great, though, man. Dude is chiseled. Pa- Patrick Peterson yes. or Cam Dantzler? Well, both of them. But Patrick, for an old guy, is in unbelievable shape. You know who else is chiseled? Maya Mackey. Oh. oh She's in great shape because she has a nutritious bowl of food every morning. Look at her. Look at the muscles. Oh, yeah, for those. the YouTube audience, how does here. she hold herself up like that for so long? The Very traps. impressive. She, strong, strong leg muscles. Yeah, she's got those. She's got the big chest, the big chest muscles and biceps there, triceps, and it's all because of her Nutrisource chicken and rice. Okay, so not only does it help her with nutrition and help her stay in shape, it also helps with her digestion and gut health, which helps yes. old Macadac here as he's trying to pick up the poops. You don't want. Oh, we don't worst. want inconsistencies nope. there. We want the Tootsie Rolls. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's yes. what we're looking for. Exactly. So uh so House, I know you've been sprinkling in some little some little treats and stuff. You got the Nutrisource uh bags at your house yep. for Stella. How, what's the report here? She loves it. Absolutely. And and look, she's old. She is she is the Patrick Peterson Patty. of our household, right? <laughs> so we gotta keep Stella in great shape, in fighting condition. And yes, and by the way, the treats. She loves the treats. The treats are fantastic. And I like them, too, because they're small, so I can get some. Mm. Like, you know, big treats, you got to break them up. And you're like, am I giving the dog too much or not? Now, no question about it. So she is in love with the food. And most importantly, her dumb dad now knows exactly how much to give her. It's the official dog food of Mackie and Judd here. NutrisourcePetFoods.com to find a retailer near you. NutrisourcePetFoods.com. Uh, more fantasy football emails coming in to the Mackey inbox here. Declan, where are you going to be playing oh, fantasy football this season? My friends at Underdog Fantasy that have, have rejuvenated my love of fantasy football. So actually, they just announced today the puppy is coming back. And you're probably wondering, what's what's the puppy? We just talked about the Nutrisource. Well, the puppy is a $5 entry, okay? Gets you $5 and you draft your team, all right? 17 round, you get your quarterback, you still find your running backs, your wide receiver, your tight end. $5 entry with up to a million dollar cash prizes. It's a season long type of type of game where one through 14, they set a regular season with the playoffs and then you're competing with other people for your chance to win some big time money. This is, this is why I, I love now this new fantasy football because I don't want to worry about setting my lineup. Okay. What, what jets bills players playing like, ah, oh God, I don't want to have to worry about that. I sleep in sometimes on Sundays. I miss those Adam Schefter notes. My friends at Underdog will just set the best possible lineup for me, which is the best part about Underdog Fantasy. Join with promo score, S-K-O-R, 
and they'll match your first deposit up to $100. Underdog Fantasy, the new favorite fantasy football friends of Mackie and Jeff. Boom. All right, Dex, back to you here. Viking statement. All right, a little impromptu statement after Judd's statement, because I, I, I had a great episode. Cheap plug for me here. Great episode of Ventline on Purple Daily. It's always a great episode. I do it every, I do it every week. I love the show. And, and I had two awesome guests, uh, Amari and Relique, who were on with me on Sunday. We actually talked extensively about the cornerback room. And my statement is, are we actually sleeping on the Vikings cornerbacks? Because I know it's a, it might say, yes, it's, it's a weak position, right? Patrick Peterson's really their only viable veteran there. Cam Dancer's played well when called upon, but was in the doghouse last year. He was injured in his rookie season. What are you going to get out of it? But then you really start breaking it down, okay? Like, if Cam Dancer's indeed cornerback one and is, and is the needle that he should be, well, that's a good thing, right? Andrew Booth was a first-round grade who fell to the second because of injuries. And Patrick Peterson this week called him he's going to be a problem out there, as an Andrew Booth is going to be causing problem for opposing wide receivers. And then Shannon Sullivan's just your nice slot cornerback, right? Like a guy who has been in this NFC North, knows that division well, can probably maybe help you scout a few things against the Green Bay Packers. I actually think we're kind of maybe undervaluing uh, the cornerback room for the Vikings. Is it going to be as staunch as the offense? Is it going to carry also the defense? Probably not. But I also think it's very underrated and it actually could turn some heads this year as the season progresses. And don't forget, too, the, the most important thing, the marriage, the clicking between pass rush and coverage, right? And so if Hunter and Smith and, and Zadarius Smith are getting after opposing quarterbacks, guess what you got? You've got pressure on a quarterback then to make plays, and the cornerbacks then don't have to stay in coverage as long because the ball has to come out. So, yes, I think if this whole thing goes as planned, you're probably right. I think the worst thing that you could possibly do is ask your corners to maintain coverage for an infinite amount of time. And Zadarius Smith and Daniil Hunter playing will alleviate that. So, yes, I think the answer to your question very well might be around a sound yes. The cornerback room is going to be better than we expected. Uh, Next statement here. I find Arif Hassan's 53-man roster projection very interesting. So a lot of agreements here, keeping three quarterbacks, which isn't a guarantee if you look at what the Rams have done, that sometimes they keep two. KOC's coming from that Sean McVay philosophy, but he's got him keeping three, I agree. Uh, he's got kind of running backs and fullbacks all in one here. He's got five, so, Ty, so meaning Ty Chandler and C.J. Ham both make the team as, as number four and five. Uh, he's got one, two, three, four, five, six receivers, including... Emir Smith-Marset, B.C. Johnson, Jalen Naylor. But here's what I find interesting. Mm-hmm. Only four linebackers making the team. This kind of plays into what judgment says. Yes. Only four linebackers. And again, Arif might be wrong, but he's Arif does a great job with these projections. Jordan Hicks, Eric Hendricks, Brian Asamoah, Troy Dye. And then Blake Lynch would be out, Chaz Surratt out, and then a couple other guys out. For a 3-4 defense, you're thinking, wait a second. Three, four defense. You only got four linebackers on the roster. So you're going to put uh, Kendricks and, and Jordan Hicks out there as starters, and then you only have two backups or guys to rotate in. Well, your edge rushers are going to account for a couple of those linebacker spots. So maybe like Zadarius Smith is one of them. There might be times where Daniel Hunter is one of them. But this also lends more to your theory that Lewis, you're going to keep four safeties. You're going to keep additional edge rushers. So you could see easily if they only keep four linebackers, how Lewis Seen might play a little linebacker over here. Mm-hmm. Edge rushers that were traditionally edge rushers with a hand in the dirt, like Daniel Hunter, would be classified sometimes as an outside linebacker. Yes. So I just think it's uh, 
it's it signifies the changes in the air schematically that they may only keep four actual linebackers. Yeah, and and look, because I, I think if you go through the roster right now, Hunter, Zadarius Smith, uh, Patrick Jones, I, I believe all of those guys have been changed from in 2021 defensive ends to now outside linebackers. So yeah, there's yep. their plan, but it's just so interesting to me how the specs on that position physically have changed too. And he's got Zach McLeod on the roster mm-hmm. listed more as an edge than linebacker. Yeah. So that's another sort of, back and forth. sort of hybrid there outside linebacker slash edge rusher. Mm-hmm. Mm. Oh, it's going to be, it's going to be fun to watch. Football. I am excited. This is, I'm telling you guys, Football. this is as excited. Sizzler. This is as excited as I have been. Sizzler. Like from a curiosity standpoint in years. Yeah, I agree. This is this is a breath of fresh air, man. It's great. All right, back to Judd here. All right, final Viking statement from me, and it's very simple. It's just ready for the next step. Pads come on today, and this is when jobs are won and jobs are lost. There are 11 padded practices. They're allowed 16. KOC has decided to go with 11 because, you know, probably wisely, he does not want to tax his players. But those 11 practices are going to be paramount at the bottom of the roster for guys to make this team and and for guys to make impressions. For instance, Lewis seen with the pads on. Now, he, he makes the team. Don't get me wrong, okay? But with the pads on, does he, do, does he play to an extent where they say he has to start? Like, Bynum's really mm. good. We like mm. Cam. But today is the start of when jobs are officially won and when jobs can be lost because these 11 practices are going to be incredibly important. I would argue as important as the preseason games, if not more so, because they're controlled, but they're not at times. Impressions will be made starting today. Because you can control the situations, right? Correct. And I I say this without my tongue pressed in my cheek here. You're going to run fully padded 11-on-11 red zone, two-minute, Third down, third and nine, right? You get to, and, and you're going to get some of those in a preseason game, but you can't control it. Right. You might, you might only run into like one red zone defensive situation and then because the other team is terrible or something. I don't know. Exactly. Or your first team defense is, is too good and you don't get to face a red zone situation. Football. Mm. Uh, I actually have a non-football one deck, so if you have a if you have a Vikings one here, why don't you clear it out? Uh, d- yeah, just my last one, and we kind of talked about it uh, on Purple Daily a little bit, but just my my statement is and it's it's to Kevin Kevin O'Connell just I would pick your battles differently you know the, this whole please don't film our practice thing just if if this is the main cog of Vikings training camp drama then I do think the Vikings are in a probably a fine place right there's no covid situation there's no people aren't getting vaccinated there aren't players at wits end of each other if if this is the main problem I guess we're okay but also, just KOC, it just seems like you're picking a, a, a weird battle. I think you're dying on a weird hill here. There's going to be film. There's going to be stuff out there. I, I I don't think you need to get completely ahead of your skis that you're worried about things being leaked on Twitter. Like, Matt LaFleur and other players and other coaches aren't necessarily going to the Twitter and being like, well, this is how we're going to stop the Vikings in week one. Just seems like a weird hill to die on if I'm a head coach. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah just focus on you. Focus on you. worry about you. Vince Lombardi used to say, we can tell them what we're going to run, and they aren't going to be able to yeah. stop it. Uh, but he hated Twitter a lot. 65 years ago. Vince but. didn't like Twitter. He was got ticked off when pe- people would post stuff on Twitter, <laughs> and then TikTok came along, and Vince really hated TikTok.
Yeah, I think I don't think Vince Lombardi would have been in on TikTok here. Uh, okay, final statement for for this portion of the proceedings here. Ric Flair probably didn't need to be wrestling last what? night. Oh, how bad at age was 73. it? Seventy-three. Well, I didn't purchase the pay per view, but there was enough <laughs> clips being thrown around, and I was I was sort of refreshing the Ric Flair search on Twitter last night during what was billed as Ric Flair's last match. Now, mind you, the his original last match took place, I think, in like 2008 or something. Against Shawn. It was like 12 or 14 years ago against Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania. Yeah. And Rick got up at the end of the match. You know, the, the match was still going on, and Rick was bawling, yeah. getting off the oh, match. Oh, you told me he about knew that. that he, he knew that the match was about to end. Yep. Shocking. I know the, the, the ending was determined. And so he, he, gets, he gets the fists up, and he's like, come on, come he's on. He's got Shawn. tears coming out of his yeah. face, and Shawn Michaels' mouths. I'm sorry, I love you, and then super kicks his head <laughs> off of his shoulders and then pins him for the oh, one, two, three. Not, I'm in my feels right and now. And then kisses his forehead as he ends his career. And that was a perfect way to end his career at age 60 or whatever he was at the time. And then he goes to, I think it was Impact Wrestling and does some bloody matches against their young talent. And then age yeah. 73 last night. And he comes out with a T-shirt on, a T-shirt on. He had, you know how old people have like the wrinkly, loose skin on their legs I'm, too? I'm telling you, yes. Yes. So he had that. Oh. And, Don't come back. And he, and he, he was a, it was a tag match, thankfully, but he was featured in large chunks of it. And he looked absolutely exhausted after about six minutes. <laughs> and at the ver- and there was times where he couldn't even like sell the moves that like, you know, somebody would be punching him and he was just like on the, on the ground about to die and pass out. This dude almost died of a heart attack like three or four years yeah, ago. Has a that. pacemaker implanted in his body. Found a doctor to greenlight this match, and they packed an arena, the Nashville Auditorium, whatever it's called. But uh, man, that was uncomfortable. Of course, he he bladed. He got the got the blood pouring down the face. But I just don't know that anyone needed to see a seventy three year old Ric Flair flopping around last night. Completely out of gas. I'm a big wrestling fan. But. Yeah, me too. And it was a good weekend of wrestling. It really was. But that, uh, Rick, it, it's time to go, man. It's just, it's, it's all good. You, you've, you've accomplished everything. You're on the Mount Rushmore wrestling that. probably, right? Like, come on, man. You don't have to continue yep. to go out there. Exactly right. Judd, did you happen to see any clips of the, the main event at SummerSlam, WWE SummerSlam on Saturday night? Brock uh, Lesnar versus Roman Reigns for the 600th time? I think I did. I think I did see some tweets, but I didn't really pay a lot Dude. of attention to it. So it was a uh, it was the first it was the first main pay per view the first pay per view period since Vince McMahon has been out of the company, yep. and so one of the so I'll give you two highlights here that I think you can appreciate. Number one is that for years and years people have made fun of Michael Cole, who's the lead play by play guy for WWE for twenty years. Mm-hmm. They've made fun of him because he's just kind of corny on commentary, and he he'll just like not say certain words, but he's always had Vince McMahon. Vince McMahon sits behind the curtain at a table with a headset on, basically like feeding lines and, and being very much a micromanager. Imagine during Purple Daily or Mackie and Judd, if Declan was just in your ear. Okay, Judd, Judd, Judd. Okay, we no, need to, okay, talk about the twins here. Judd, Judd, don't, but don't, don't, but don't say Kirk. Don't talk about Kirk. Nope. Nope. Go here. Nope. And so people were lauding Michael Cole on Saturday for just being a free man on commentary. You're not supposed to name the referees. You're not supposed to name the cameramen. You're not supposed to talk about history. And he was doing all these things. You're not <laughs> supposed to call it wrestling because it's not wrestling. It's sports entertainment. Okay. And he's calling it wrestling on Saturday night and stuff. So an unleashed play by play man. But then uh, 
at the end of the match or toward the end of the match, Brock Lesnar, who drove some sort of like bobcat looking forklift thing. I did see that. Yeah. And tilted the ring. He lifted the ring Ring. up in the air. So they found a way to make that match interesting. And then Brock, after it was over, went up into the ring, grabbed his cowboy hat and then slid down the ring and stuff. So I thought Brock quit again. Pretty good stuff. No. He's well, he kind of he he left SmackDown the day that the Vince McMahon stuff came out, but then they like coaxed him to come back. Oh, okay, he's a cantankerous guy. It's like Brock Lesnar. Go away, Brock. Too just just go away. It's like a Brock. Yeah, I think it's time for him. Hey, to great former Viking. I don't know what you guys are talking about. <laughs> Started a huge fight with so, the Chiefs. You know, they should just bring him back to start fights against the Forty ers They this need weekend. defensive tackle. Pay him a half million dollars. Oh, there's no question about it. So anyhow, there's your there's your wrestling update from the weekend, Judd Zolgad. Thank you. Uh, all right, let's let's get into we got the, the the trade deadline here in about a day and a half. Let's get into some twin statements from the weekend. And if I could, I'd love to start us off. Actually, I'm going to call an audible here. Ordinarily, okay. we do the buffoon of the week toward the end of the show. Okay. I actually think we should start with buffoon of the week here, and I'll give I'll give you guys one. The buffoon of the week is. All three of us collectively, we are the buffoons of the week. Okay. For thinking that the Minnesota Twins would actually consider seriously trading for one of the two top starting pitchers on the market. I like it. I like where you're going. Luis Castillo and Frankie Montas. Yep. So Luis Castillo on Friday, I believe it was, was traded to the Seattle Mariners for an absolute haul of prospects. It was like four prospects or whatever the price was that they paid. Mm-hmm. And uh, and the Mariners are doing it with almost the exact same record as the Minnesota Twins. Now, the Mariners are coming off of before the All-Star break. They won 14 consecutive games. They've sputtered a little bit since then, but they're coming on this crescendo. The Twins are actually playing six games below 500 since May 24th. So the Mariners thought, hey, let's double down on this team that was red hot before the All-Star break. Mm-hmm. But But mainly what they're doing is saying, we are sick and tired of not making the playoffs for 20 years. We don't care about these prospects. Take them off of our hands. We want the number one starting pitcher on the trade market, and we will pay whatever price it takes and then some, because, damn it, we are sick of this. And they're probably going to make the playoffs now. Probably not going to catch the Astros, but they're going to be a wild-card team, and they'll play a three-game series, and they will get to start Luis Castillo in game one of that series. Minnesota Twins have at least been to the playoffs several times since 2001, but they haven't won a playoff game since 2004. And I'm wondering, and there's still other options out there, but the two biggest options we've been talking about for months and the league has been talking about are Montas and Castillo. And there's a report out from John Heyman that says, uh, actually it was from uh, John Morosi from Fox that said, there's like two or three teams that are sort of finalists for Montas, who's battled some arm in- injury issues this year, so it might be a little bit of a red flag. Mm-hmm. But the Twins were not listed among those suitors. There's other pitchers out there. They could definitely make a trade. I think they probably will trade for pitching. But we are the buffoons wow. for thinking that they would go after with a Hall of Top Prospects, a Luis Castillo type, to help their team this season. That's very fair. Yes. Yes, we need to eat crow. Because why did we have faith? Why did we have faith? And I, I do think we talked about this last week. I mean, they if they get a starter, it's going to be a guy like Quintana, right? Like, it's going to be a guy like that. And, my God, too, this division is so bad. I've never seen a division that nobody wanted like this one. 
It's like every time the Twins are like, oh, we're dropping two or three to the Padres. The Guardians are like, but we're only going to win one. And the White Sox are like, oh, we'll screw this up. Have you, uh, yeah, Tony, have you guys ever, I mean, I cannot remember the last time that a division involving a Minnesota sports team felt like this big of hot potato. It's pretty bad. This, although this division, there were some years in the early 2000s where this happened too, where the Twins were kind of toiling. Wasn't like 2009. Yeah, they weren't yeah. they below 500 at some point around the All Star break, and then yeah, they wound they, up I, doing kind of a half trade for Orlando Cabrera, who got red like hot a, in September. Oh eight, when they lost the first 163, I think that was like an 85-85 win White Sox Twins team. Okay. So like, but that, that division wasn't great either. Um, yeah, it's 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 a bad it's a bad division. Yeah. So again, they they probably will trade for pitching, but I just I think it just shows a couple of things. They they didn't have the ammunition to match what the Mariners threw out there for Castillo. Absolutely. And that shouldn't be overlooked in the evaluation of Falvey and Levine. Well, what do you want them to do? They didn't have the prospects. Well, why don't they have the prospects? They right. haven't been trading any. Right. <laughs> they traded a couple here and there, but for Sonny Gray, but it's not like they it's not like they've dealt off six of their top prospects and that's why they're depleted. They're depleted because some of it's injury, but some of it's also like guys aren't producing at the level that you thought they would. Why is Austin Martin so crappy? Right. Why is Jordan Belazovich one of the worst pitchers in the minor leagues, right? So it'd be nice to have those guys as actual trade chips here in the next forty eight hours, but they probably aren't. Anyhow. All right. There's your buffoon of the week. It's us. It's well deserved. It's well deserved. Okay. All right. My twin statement is cause for concern. Why? It doesn't even have to do with the team itself of like a trade. It has to do with one player. Alex Kirilov has been shelved again by this wrist problem that won't go away. A year ago, he had surgery. It was supposed to fix it. It still hurt. He came back. uh, Missed time again. And now is out again. And Alex Kirilov, make no mistake, I think is a very talented young hitter who has huge upside and has shown that. But a wrist is about the worst possible thing that could be a problem, and it's appearing more and more by the day that this is not solvable. Like, they're trying things. They did surgery. Um, This is a definite cause for concern, because if he was going to be a trade chip by uh, tomorrow's deadline, that's done now. And more importantly, if you were banking on him probably being your long-term first baseman and a guy who could definitely, you know, potentially, I don't know, down the road battle for a a batting title. uh, That's becoming more and more difficult. So I think that there is a definite cause for concern when it comes to a guy that the twins consider one of their top young hitters. Yeah, this is, and there's nothing you could have done because everyone's aware that he has wrist problems, but this is why I've just been more willing to give him up in a trade potentially. But now, Right. No one's going to trade for him at this point, at this point in the season anyways. But, you know, as we sit here and talk about Miranda or Kirilov, you know, which one would you regret losing the most? This this wrist stuff is concerning. Now, didn't David Ortiz have wrist issues early in his career, too, with the Twins? And that was part of the reason why they let him go in 2002. And then he turned out to be fine for 15 years and then became one of the greatest hitters sure. of all time. So I'm, I'm not saying, like, Kirilov is going to be David Ortiz, but... Right. You know, how bad are these wrist issues going to be? Is this going to be something that kind of limits his career, or is it just like a one- or a two-year thing and you just got to find the right surgeon? I I don't know, man. Again, it's concerning though? for sure. Yeah. Not good. Yeah. All right, Dex? 
All right. Uh, my first twin statement. I'll go with this one. Uh, very simple. Joey Gallo is not it. That does nothing for me. Now, I might fight you on this, actually. Okay. But, well, I we, love me some Joey Gallo. We can spar here, potentially. So so uh, I believe it was John Heyman uh, threw it out there that the Brew Crew is interested in him, and the Yankees are listening on offers for him. Um, and he just kind of, you know, typically in typical Heyman, MLB insider fashion, like the Twins are also potentially in the mix for a guy like Joey Gallo. Now, you just lost Kirloff to Judd's point to a wrist injury. Max Kepler has a broken toe. So, yeah. A little sparse in the outfield depth. I have no interest in acquiring an outfielder who has been hitting like 170 over the last 100 plus games, who gives you a pop, but is basically Miguel Sano. That's a better athlete. Like he strikes out a ton, he hits a lot of bombs, but he's a he's a decent defender. That does nothing for me in terms of trying to win a playoff game or getting more butts in the seats in 2022 and beyond. Joey Gallo. If 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 the if the dust settles at five o'clock tomorrow and the only move that is made is for Joey Gallo because now you have some outfield injuries, I am going to be massively disappointed. Joey Gallo does nothing for me. Okay, so I'm going to fight you a little bit on this one because <laughs> I am a Joey Gallo stan. I will admit first and foremost, I stan for Joey Gallo. Okay, he has been atrocious with the Yankees, but. A lot of guys, Sonny Gray is one of them. A lot of guys get to New York, and for whatever reason, the pressure is too much, or the media coverage throws them off. Gary Sanchez. Or they just don't hit well. Gary Sanchez had a couple good years. Yeah, but, but, yeah, but it just kind of got to him. Kind of got to him. Yes. So in New York, he was one of the worst hitters in all of baseball. But mm-hmm. in Texas for like six years, he was a better version of Miguel Sano, a healthier version of Miguel Sano, a better defensive player than Miguel Sano was. He had three, uh, take that back, four different seasons where he was worth at least three wins above replacement, including he was a four and a half win player in 2021. Not because of his time with the Yankees, by the way. He got traded there uh, halfway through the 2021 season. So just for some context here, Joey Gallo has been in the league since 2015, just like Miguel Sano has. They both came in the same season. Miguel Sano was 22. Gallo was 21. So they both have the same number of MLB seasons in their uh, in their belt. Gallo has been worth 15 wins above replacement. Miguel Sano has been worth eight wins above replacement. So he's been twice the player wins above replacement as Miguel Sano has been. And he can play some average defense in the outfield in a corner spot. Can play some first base for you. So here's what I'm saying. If you can buy low on Joey Gallo and get the Texas version that hit 41 bombs, 40 bombs, 38 bombs, gets on base, draws a bunch of walks... I'm here for it. Now, to Declan's point, if you're only adding Joey Gallo and you're not fixing your pitching, <laughs> that makes no sense. But if you add, like, two pitchers and Joey Gallo, I'm kind of here for it. Declan never expected it. with this statement that it would set off a set off, yeah. debate about he's a, Joey He's a Gallo. free agent at the other. They would basically just give him to you because they just replaced him I guess. with uh, with Benintendi, and he's got a, you know two months left on his contract. So, oh. Joey Gallo, no way. <laughs> Dude, he's one of the best power hitters we've seen in the last seven years in baseball. He's got uh, almost 200 home runs since 2015. Joey Gallo, Crusader, Phil Mackey. Yeah. <laughs> For, forget the Cousins Crusaders. Joey Gallo's got Mackey. If I could place a bet, I don't know how you'd quantify this, that Joey Gallo will have a better last two months than Martin Perez, I would, but I don't know how we would quantify mm. that. So I think you could quantify it. <laughs> 
ERA Win, and win, wins home above runs or I don't know. Yeah, wins above. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. So I and it's funny because my statement was going to be oh Joey Gallo related, but I just give and take. So <laughs> here's, here's my. Like, I did not mean to open up that waterfall. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm. I think it'll be fun. And and w- by the way. You say that it won't put butts in the seats. Listen, if Joey Gallo goes on a tear and hits about 10 home runs in August, oh, people are going to show up to Target Field in droves in early September. Okay, Joey Gallo is going to give you the power satisfaction that you aren't getting from Miguel Sano if this trade goes down. Go get your tickets right now. Phil Mackey here for TwinsBaseball.com slash tickets. Yep. That's TwinsBaseball.com slash tickets. Uh, Joey Gallo uh, signed baseball. I'm going to double down on a hot take here in just a second, but first let's tell the audience about if you're, if you're, and this is me, I'm always sort of bad at gift ideas. Mm -hmm. Spiral light candles might be the thing for you. That's exactly right. And if you are looking for a gift for that Vikings fan in your life, well, you've come to the right place. Available today, it is Judd's Purple Positivity Candle. That's right. If you're a fan of the purple, then we have the exact gift for, I don't know, your wife, girlfriend, boyfriend, husband, the scent. I'm going to describe it to you because it smells so good sitting on the porch of a cabin surrounded by pines and wildflowers with the promise of a coming storm and that storm is the purple's defense which is going to make life hell for quarterbacks so make sure that you have that spiral light candle burning right by you as you watch the vikings torment opponents spiralightcandles.com spiralightcandles.com check it out again judd's purple positivity candle is waiting for you at spiralightcandles.com uh, also, a shout-out to our friends at Federated Mutual Insurance Company. They've been around since the early 1900s, helping maximize the success of businesses around the state of Minnesota and beyond. Federated's corporate culture is grounded in equity, integrity, teamwork, and respect. These four cornerstones create the foundation that supports all interactions and decision-making. At Federated Mutual Insurance Company, federatedinsurance.com, it's our business to protect yours. Okay. So uh, I've been telling you guys since the beginning part of June mm-hmm. that the Twins need to pick a lane, either trade for three pitchers and make a legitimate push with Buxton fairly healthy on pace to play 125 games. And you got these uh, pretty good starting pitchers in gray, And even though uh, Joe Ryan got absolutely destroyed Oof. in a start over the weekend. Got left in but, for it, uh, Pretty good. We got Carlos Correa. So either, either double down and add pitching to a good team that could – Maybe flirt with great if they get hot down the stretch with some better pitching. Yep. Or go the other way and and trade a one-year asset in Carlos Correa to somebody that might need a shortstop or an infielder or just a glove or a bat down the stretch. And so the, the comeback that people have is, well, like, who is really going to need a shortstop at the trade deadline? And my answer is there are three current contenders, playoff contenders or World Series contenders, that have major problems at shortstop. And I think if you're not willing to pay the freight on two or three pitchers here in the next day and a half, you should call these teams and see what would they give you in terms of prospect capital for Carlos Correa. Let's start with the New York Yankees, who missed out on Correa in free agency. Mm-hmm. Kiner Falefa, he ain't in at shortstop for them. I can't. It's not really. It's not. It's not happening. He's got like one home run. It's just. He's not. He's not been that good. Yep. Uh, the Phillies. With Didi Gregorius, who's just been kind of a train wreck. He has not lived up to the contract that he signed. And the Phillies are like, what, seven games above 500, mm-hmm. competing for a playoff spot in the National League. And I'll even throw this team out there. Wander Franco is out for like six to eight weeks with some sort of an injury. The Rays. Huh. 
the Rays need help up the middle. And Wander Franco is their long-term guy. Right. But he's, he's struggling. One. He's been hurt. Correa can walk, and yeah. The Rays are trying to, you know, the Rays have been splashy. Hell, look what the Rays gave you for Nelson Cruz. Mm-hmm. So I'm just saying, if you're not getting what you want in these talks for pitchers, do you really want to ride that median and watch Carlos Correa go sign somewhere else and you wind up with maybe like a comp pick? Or can you get two or three actual young players of value? Call the Phillies, the Yankees, and the Rays and just have a conversation. The Yankees one's actually hilarious because... I mean, the Twins were supposed to have Connor Falefa. That was going to be their shortstop. And then he gets traded back to New York so they can take away Josh Donaldson's contract. And the, and the Twins still get Urshela and, and Sanchez. And that actually might be a pretty solid trade when it's all said and done. They basically paid the Yankees to take on the contract. And you got two serviceable players in Urshela uh, and Gary That's Sanchez. That's a great trade. It is. It right actually now. is. For, yeah. for that regime, the JD it's, contract. It's, it's, was... it's legitimately one of their better trades. And Albatross. But... Um, <laughs> It'd be just hilarious if then all of a sudden, five months after the fact, with the Carlos Correa signing now, like the lore of that is gone, then you just actually still wind back up with Isaiah Connor Falefa. Carlos Correa is indeed still in New York, and the Twins' postseason losing streak still stays intact at 18 games in a row. It's like a great full circle, terrible Minnesota sports moment. <laughs> and actually, it's plausible. I, 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 of all those four teams, I think the Yankees actually do make the most sense. I still think them trading away Carlos Correa would be waving a white flag and also be it would be it, it would be an insane cause for ridicule and criticism and they would deserve yeah. it. they would deserve but it not, but not trading for pitching is the white flag yes and so if you've if you've already waved the white flag by not trading for pitching then you might as well just wave it higher and go get something that can help you in 2023-24 you know? phil brings up an interesting point though and it's very simple and it's Thank this you. do you have so so like we can all say you know what two bullpen arms and a starter you know, get me a filet mignon and get me another steak. And another. But like Phil said, I don't know that they have the means to get that. Well, uh, like that's a, you, right now, prices are skyrocketing and they should be. But how how on earth, when you look at what is available and healthy in this farm system right now, as far as prospects go, I think the real question is how much can you even trade to get the return that you expect because I think three pitchers is out of the question I think and also uh, the Yankees just paid for uh, Scott Efros from the Cubs that literally just went down as we're recording this so they gave up I don't know who Hayden uh, Wisenski is from New York if he's a top regarded prospect for them but another reliever off the board who we talked about actually earlier last week in Scott Efros from the Cubs he's now also going uh, to the New York Yankees bullpen yep he's been one of the better relievers in the, the National League so it's hard to get mad at the Twins yet because there's still time to make moves, but it's like the more you see the Mariners make a huge splash and the Yankees adding bullpen help and this over here. It's like, all right, guys, what are we, what are we doing here? Hayden Wesniski was, according to MLB.com, seventh-ranked prospect right-handed pitcher in the Yankee system. Okay. So, yeah, the, the, the price of poker is not cheap. To where, add pitching at the deadline. Where I where I remain the most pissed off about this entire thing is how you built the bullpen this suspect. That's what gets me. Like, why are you here? Like, why are we here right now? You're supposed to be pitching people. Pitching people, damn it. And you have built... Why can't you people see yeah. that? You can't, I'm a pitching person. But how <laughs> how are we here where... And I mean, yesterday, perfect example, right? My guy Bundy goes out and pitches pretty damn well. Oh. Good for him. And who comes in? Pagan. And bang. 
Like that. That's what. That, no, but I'm serious. That's what gets me. Dylan Bundy. Okay, I don't like him, but he pitched well. He gave you a chance to win on the road in the third game of you know where you got your ass kicked on Friday. Came back and won. Nice win on Saturday. Now you've got a chance again. It's a tight game. Bundy's pitched well, and you bring in Pagan. You talk about a white flag. Pagan to me feels like a white flag right now. Yeah, and there's not that many guys. You know, in fairness to Rocco, at this point, nope. It's not like there's four or five other guys that make you're gonna whether you bring Pagan in then or an inning later. Like you're gonna have to bring Pagan into the game. I'm not blaming at some point Rocco you know? for this. I'm blaming the the construction that made him think this is the guy. That's my problem with it. And that was technically a blown save for Pagan based on Major League's. I'm just looking at ESPN, it's the sixth blown save of the of the season so far. Yeah. Okay. So. uh so yeah, so the Twins are the Twins are now six games under five hundred since May twenty fourth. The only way they can jolt this back is to make some trades. Yeah. You guys have any other? I got one more. Statements? I got one more. Off of the uh, the massacre against the Padres on Friday, I like pissed off Rocco. Rocco was as hot as I think I've ever seen him after that loss. Despite the attempt of some softballs, he was not having it. And and he wasn't going to say too much, but he said enough. And you could tell from the way that he responded to questions. Um, And here's my contention. I don't even know that Rocco is that mad at his team. I think Rocco, rightfully so, is mad at the people upstairs. And I think he has every right to be. And this is probably as close as he's come to pulling somebody he trusts aside and saying, here's the story. Because, you know what? He should. He should, 100%. If there's there's legitimate conflict here, he should. And he's getting crapped on. Like fans, people on our side of the business, right? We are, you know, typical Rocco brings in uh, Pagan. Phil, you're right. You think Rocco really wants to bring Pagan in? Oh, yeah, bring... Do you think that Rocco really, really was itching to play Miguel Sano, who struck out four of the six times? Of course he's not. What happened there? Can Can we spend a second on the Sano thing here, too? So... What's the? Because it kind of came around just late in the week over the weekend. Yeah. Is it a reaggravation? Yes. Is it so he tweaked it in St. Paul in Indianapolis? In St. In Paul. No. Yeah. They they were playing in Indianapolis before he got recalled. He said he slid into second base and felt something, and they still tried to go through to ha- have him come back up. My guess is, it's so he's so bad they can't play him. Yeah, do we? That's my question. It's that's hard to guess. answer because, like, they're not going to give you a straight answer. But how much of this is actual injury versus mm-hmm. they looked at him for a couple games again and he's just not? Well, and my guess is Rocco said he's not competitive. Like, why am I? Why are you making me play him? Yeah, and then and then look who was in the starting lineup the next day. Basically, Celestino was back with the team. Yep. So again, I don't I don't have any inside information on this, but if I'm Rocco. So Rocco batted him ninth and then pulled him after two at bats in his first game back. Correct in Milwaukee. He's not 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 exactly. That doesn't exactly scream. We were really looking to give this guy a no. chance in the lineup, right? It was right, we'll hide him ninth. We'll pull him if he looks bad after a couple at bats. The first chance we get when a reliever comes in. Yes, I think Rocco loves Celestino because he's your best defensive center fielder, not named Byron Buxton. You're going to need him to play two or three days a week. So if if I'm the manager in that spot, yeah. and the front office tells me. Hey, we got to make room for Miguel here, so Celestino's got to go. I'd say, well, wait a second. I can't play Buxton in center field every day. Who's my center fielder? Nick Gordon's not a great outfielder. Uh, Celestino's my guy. Yeah. 
and he's and he's he's been slumping lately, but like he's been pretty good with the bat too. So again, I'm, this is just sort of educated speculation, reading the tea leaves. Uh, the manager probably not too thrilled with some of these things that are happening here and the options he has uh, when he turns to the bullpen. And why did Kyle Garlick stay? I know the splits, the splits, but the split. I mean, first of all, he bleep and dropped he, the ball on Sunday. He has, he has like a 900 OPS. He's the splits are real. <laughs> With Kyle Garlic, I would now rather you're have just lashing out at. I would rather don't have, lash out at Kyle Garlic because rather, you're mad at. Did Miguel you see Sino. the drop ball on Sunday? Listen, the the wind was blowing. Okay, it's it's oh, very God. difficult. Have you ever tried to catch a ball with the with the light shining in your eyes there yeah. too? I want the San defense. Diego's a very sunny city. I want the defense. That's what I want. I want a competent. I do not want Divin Jake. I don't want Kyle Garlic. I you know Nick Gordon. God bless him. He tries hard. Plays a lot of different spots. But again, he dropped a ball too. Just came in and dropped it. Come yeah, on. San Diego gets more sunshine on an annual yeah. basis than San every Diego city except for, for basically Phoenix. Gorgeous. Okay. Gorgeous. Not, yeah, not for me. You try to catch a pop-up. Not for me, difficult. but yeah, I'm not paid well to do San so. San Diego's not for you. You wouldn't live in San Diego. No. No. no it's I like wouldn't. the most perfect know, city in America. I know. I wouldn't live there. Not St. enough St. hustle Park. and bustle. Not enough hustle and bustle for me. New York, oh San Francisco. I love me some St. Louis Park Cub Foods, but come on, man. San Diego. That might be your hottest take, Judd. Oh, I'm serious. Yeah, no. I've, I've been there, man. It's gorgeous. It's absolutely gorgeous. It's great to visit. I'm not interested in living there. Plus, they, they lost the Chargers. Oh, yeah. So oh, now I'm down to the Padres. So now I'm down to the Padres. So now I'm down to the Padres. What the hell am I going to do? <laughs> if it's not time for Padres baseball, what do yeah. I got? You know, Minor Jackson, league hockey? On this one. I, no I forgot that they lost the Chargers. It makes it tough. Sandy, These Chargers go. fans, too. <laughs> I know traffic's bad in Southern California, but for God's sakes, your team moved two hours north. You can still be a fan of them. Okay? It's pretty easy. I'm being mad. It's okay. I'm but out. it's L.A. It's fine. It's the same state. I'm out. It's two hours away. Wow. Anyhow. All right. That's uh, Mackie and Judd here today on this Monday. A little statements edition. We will monitor the Twins' activity, or lack thereof, at the trade deadline here tomorrow. You guys will do a little bonus scoop session with Doogie. And don't forget, you have, what, a day and a half left. Scorenorth.com slash shop. Scorenorth.com slash shop, our little pop-up shop for Purple Daily Hats, Before I Die t-shirts, Scorenorth t-shirts, koozies. Uh, get those orders in by midnight on August 2nd. And we'll, uh, we'll ship them to you for free. See you guys. Any workout, any mood, any time. That's what the Peloton Tread is all about. From interval runs that motivate you to go the extra mile, power walks that work up a sweat, rolling hill hikes for you to enjoy, and full body boot camps to hit your goals. Plus thousands of workouts that go beyond the tread. Strength programs, core classes, yoga, Pilates, and even boxing. Everything you need on and off the Peloton Tread. Experience it all for yourself with a 30-day home trial. Learn more at OnePeloton.com.